Hey, welcome to the Out of This World Relationship Podcast, a podcast designed for anyone who wants better Christ-centered relationships. I'm your host, Tamara Rasmussen, and together we're going to tackle some of life's most difficult relationship issues. We all want stellar marriages and connection with our kids, but the path to getting there can be so challenging. Trying to figure out how to deal with hard things in today's world in a practical and biblical way can be so messy. We want to say the right things, do the right things, and respond the right way, but sometimes we just don't know how. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I hope to give you a fresh perspective on how the Bible serves as a roadmap to having godly relationships that are out of this world and in line with God's divine design. I'll answer tough questions and share all of my secrets to solving and responding to some of life's most difficult relationship issues. Pull up a chair and take a seat. There's always room at my table for you. Whether you have toddlers or young adults preparing for marriage, there are so many ways that you as a parent can positively or negatively influence the sexual development and future of your kids. There is a ton of information that will be shared. So whether you have had the sex talk or not, there may actually be some things that you've never thought to talk to your kids about or to prepare them for, even your young adult children. If you have not listened to past episodes in this series, or you have forgotten what I've said about this, make sure that you are dealing with your own insecurities about sex. If you carry feelings of shame and fear or are finding yourself struggling with discomfort and avoidance, go back and listen to the preparing for the sex talk episode in the good sex, bad sex, godly sex series before you sit down to talk with your kids. First, I just want to take a moment and tell you to take a deep breath. If you're a parent who is facing this issue with your kid, you're probably coming into this episode pretty heartbroken. If you're a parent who thinks that you are in this situation and isn't sure quite yet, you're coming into this episode feeling brokenhearted. If you are a parent who has not experienced this, maybe your kids are still little, but you're curious you're already feeling brokenhearted at the idea of having to deal with this. Things don't always go the way that we want them to. We can say and do all of the right things, but nothing is a guarantee. Your child has free will. They are going to make their own decisions, and sometimes those decisions lead to premarital sex. As hard as it is, You have to make sure that the door is open to them if they decide to take this path. Many parents with strong convictions take either a passive-aggressive or aggressive approach to these situations. And as a result, their child feels abandoned and rejected, which just leads to more unhealthy sexual behavior. It's really important for you to know that kids often turn to sex to try to fill an emotional or relational void. So us being angry with them or avoidant is the last thing they need from us. This is rough. I know it is. You may need to take a time out before you respond. You may not be able to do what I just said right then. It might be taking everything you have not to choke them to death. 
it may take everything you have not to completely lose your mind. Maybe you already did completely lose your mind. This is not to shame you or make you feel bad about that. But it is to say that we do need to be aware that our response to things like this really determines how much they're going to share with us and how much they're going to let us help them in the future. So back to this concept of timeouts. Timeouts are not for our kids. They're for us. Sometimes we need time to organize our feelings and formulate a healthy response before we can ever enter into a triggering conversation with them. Impactful decision way before they're ready to do so. We know all of that, but we also know that they really don't understand. One of the things that really helps us with that, a crucial step in this, is to not take your child's sexual decisions personally. We really shouldn't take any of their decisions personally, but in this context, we we just can't take this personally. Taking their decisions personally puts our feelings in front of theirs. It's sad, you're hurt, you're disappointed, but it is their mind, their body, their spirit, and their heart that will carry the weight of that decision for the rest of their lives. Maybe you can reflect on something, a time in your life where you did something, maybe it was sex, whatever it was, you did something and your parents were extremely distraught and angry about it. But I'm guessing it's not them who's still stuck on it. They're probably not bringing it up every time they see you. They're probably not bringing it up every time something happens that would trigger a memory of that event. You are though. You remember it. It's affected you. There are things about your life and the way you think and the relationships that you have that might have been permanently altered by that choice that you made. It is easy to get caught up in how we feel about the things that they choose to do, but we really have to rein it back, take a step back, pause, take that time out and remind ourselves that ultimately they are going to have to live with those decisions in a way that we're not. We also have to remind ourselves, you need to remind yourself that you did the best that you could do, but they belong to God. Your children are not yours. My children are not mine. They are borrowed. God allows us to nurture them and to raise them so that they can become adults and they can develop their own independent individual relationship with God. Their purpose, their plan, his plan for them is separate from ours. We were part of their plan and they're part of ours, but they are not our plan. They have their own plan. We've got to remember to pray for our kids and trust him to guide us as parents and to guide and be there for our children. We've got to be willing to think about the big picture. I mean, you know how you're feeling and how you want to react now, but would sharing that lead to the outcome you want with your child? Probably not most of the time. We've got to take a few breaths and think about what the kind of parent you want to be would say, or what the kind of parent you want to be would do in this situation. It may sound strange, But when we're triggered, 
we do tend to forget the parent we want to be and we respond like the parent we don't want to be or we respond like our parents in a way that we never wanted to. Maybe we were angry at our parents for the way that they reacted to us and now we find ourselves doing the exact same thing in the exact same way because we are operating on autopilot. I've talked about in previous episodes how kids can, you know, consider consequences, but they can't really connect to it in the same way as they do reward because they're way more focused on reward. Well, something happens to us when we're really triggered emotionally, we're super angry or super excited even. There's certain parts of our brain that go offline and we are so focused on where we're at right now that we can make some pretty rash decisions. If you've ever been in a huge fight with your spouse and something has come out of your mouth and you are shocked by your own self, the fact that you said it and now you can't take that back. You didn't really mean it. You didn't really truly feel it in a permanent way. But boy, you felt it in that moment. And because you didn't have the discernment, wisdom, and the time to sort through the consequences of saying what you were feeling, now you are having to deal with it. As parents, in situations like this, we've got to be aware of our shark music. We've got to know the things that are going on in our head that is going to lead to the kind of response that could literally tear the relationship we have with our child apart. Even if you had a really good relationship before this, depending on where you're at, what you've been through, the kind of things you've experienced in your life, something like finding out that your kid is having sex could be a total game changer. Your reaction could make such a huge difference in the outcome of the situation. Now, if you are that parent who's listening to this and you are torn up because your reaction was bad, maybe you are literally walking through what I just talked about, that you had a decent relationship with your kid and now because of this happened and how you reacted, things are a mess. Things are torn apart. I want to encourage you. Healing is real. Relationships can heal. There may be some things that you can't take back and you will have to own up to and live with the decision that you made and the words that you said, but that doesn't mean that your relationship has to stay in a state of rupture. There is such a thing as repair. And these principles, what we're talking about right now, even if you've already messed up or not done it the way you wish you would have, you can still go back and from this point forward, You can use these tools to change the way that you're talking to your kids about things that are really uncomfortable, really upsetting, and really disappointing. And that is when you can show up as the kind of parent you want to be. James 3, 3 through 6 says, The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. What that tells me is that Satan really enjoys and has great power and influence 
over how we use our tongues and the damage that it does. Our words matter. We have the potential to permanently damage the relationship we have with our kids if we are not careful. It's not that we can't or should not be angry. Even God, the perfect father, gets angry. He is a God of wrath, but he is extremely intentional about how he expresses it. And we need to be intentional about how we express it too. When we're in the midst of the situation, we struggle to know what to say. And for some of you listening, you might be thinking, I could take all the timeouts in the world and I still wouldn't really know how to respond in a situation like this. So I'm going to give you an example of a response. You could say to your child, thank you for sharing this with me. I want to discuss this with you, but I need a few minutes to process it first. I love you. Stay right here. And I will be back in a few minutes. Scream into a pillow, punch your bed, get on your knees and pray, take some deep breaths, and then you circle back. It is okay to admit that you do not have the ability to respond in this moment. And I actually recommend this for marriage too. There's a lot of times we end up in arguments that we could have completely avoided because we are not taking the space we need to process through our feelings before handling a situation. It is not weakness. It is actually the greatest measure of love we can offer to the people that we love the most in our lives to, to take that time. There's a reason why it's so important to let them know that you want to discuss it with them, that you are glad they shared it with you. And we're going to talk about what happens if they didn't share it with you and you found it some other way. But if they did, if they came clean, if they told you, you want to acknowledge that because you're going to want them to continue to tell you things, hopefully next time before they do it, but you want them to share those things with you. And one of the ways you do that is by acknowledging the fact that they did. And I'm sure it was extremely difficult for them. So you want them to know that you appreciate that they said it. You want them to know that you are interested and you are going to talk to them about it. You're also acknowledging that you're not in a place where you can do that in this moment. You want them to know that you love them because the thing is we have got to be in a place. We've got to start telling ourselves, no matter what my child does, they need to know that I love them. And this is how God functions throughout the entire Bible. It's always comes back to love every single time, no matter how deep the sin, no matter it's always love. It comes back to love. So by saying it in that moment, because they've already revealed this, so they're going to be sitting there stewing and wondering, oh, they hate me. They're going to disown me. You know, they're having all these horrible thoughts. And by you saying, I love you and I will be back. You are guaranteeing them that you are interested and invested and that you're going to return, which is going to allow them to reduce their anxiety, which means they're going to be less anxious when you return. And you're going to be less anxious when you return because you're going to take that time that you need to sort through your thoughts and your feelings and formulate a response that you actually want to share with them. Now, if your child hasn't told you, but you found out some other way, you're going to have the time to sort your feelings out before you approach them. 
That is if you are not running directly from finding out to approaching them about it. Take this advantage. Give yourself some time. Do not react immediately. Don't reach out to them. Make sure that you have processed through where you're at first. So consider writing out your feelings and what you want to say to them. Just like before, think about the big picture and write it out until you feel good about your response. So you may find yourself, even if you've had time to think and you have written everything out before you talk with them, but you find yourself feeling really activated, you may still need a timeout. They, that may still be helpful to you, but make sure that you are in the right frame of mind before you even go into that conversation. The same rules apply as the initial sex talk. Make sure that you're in the right environment and have enough time to sort through the mountain of emotions and information that is sure to surface through this. Don't try to do this on the fly or quickly or under pressure. It's already a a difficult situation and adding any of those elements just makes it worse. You know, if, if your child is having sex, there's a reason. Ask them to share with you how and when they decided to take that step. Ask them if they feel safe in their relationship and whether or not they are choosing to have sex because they want to or because it's expected of them. Blame is definitely a dead end street. So it's really important not to get caught up in who is to blame. The focus is ensuring that your child and their sexual partner are safe. In our previous episodes, we've talked about abuse and coercion and manipulation And our kids may be going through things in their relationship that we don't know anything about. And sometimes their reasons for sharing something like that with us is because there's a deeper thing. There's something else they're not telling us. And part of them is really hoping, a big part of them is really hoping that by sharing this, that you will get to the root of what's actually happening because they want to be protected. They want you to advocate for them. But sometimes they just don't have the courage or the words to share the bigger things. It's also important to discuss their methods for safe sex. And we need to make sure that we're providing them with what they need to protect themselves in the future. Depending on their age, do an inventory of how this was even possible. What changes need to be made to reduce or eliminate this behavior? That whole protecting your kids and creating healthy boundaries and being invested in overseeing the things that they're doing so that they have more freedom. If there's a loophole somewhere there, if that has fallen short, you need to evaluate that because maybe it's already happened, but we all know it's best for our kids. If this is not something that becomes a habit or is frequent may still happen. Obviously couldn't stop it in the first place. You may not be able to stop it now, but you do have a role in creating a buffer that that ensures that it's not something that's happening all the time and that that's not the basis of the relationship that your child is in. A critical element to this, a lot of parents, their reaction is to immediately end the relationship. They force their kids to break up with this person they've had sex with. And obviously there may be situations if there is abuse, if there is something really wrong there, absolutely. Again, it's our job to protect our kids, but this is not a healthy response. That is a fear response. That is an anger response. 
if anything, all we're going to do is we're going to push our child deeper into that relationship because now they're fighting for their relationship and that becomes their focus. Keeping them from the person they've had sex with will not fix the damage that was done by them doing it. It won't change the fact that your child has made that choice and that they can't go back from it. So try really hard not to displace all of your feelings on things you can't control. Instead, focus your energy on how you're going to help your child navigate this shift in their life and keep them from doing more damage. Some of that damage is related to our unwillingness to acknowledge that this might happen again. It might happen from this point forward in their lives. We don't want to deal with that. We don't want to acknowledge that this is part of their lives now. And despite the fact that most churches and Christian parents are against abortion, young pregnant girls find themselves being disowned, judged, and abandoned. If you are a pro-life parent, you've got to make sure that your son or daughter knows that you will never disown them or turn them away if they make a mistake. Make coming to you the most viable option they have. Natural consequences are unavoidable, but kids feeling like they have no choice but an abortion is entirely preventable. That said, the more educated your kids are about sex and reproduction, the more supportive and open you are as parents, and the stronger their support system is, the less likely it is that you or they will ever be in that situation. The investment you are making in them now comes at the price of discomfort. Who wants to get their daughter birth control or provide her with condoms or their son with condoms or wants to deal with the reality that this thing is happening and you can't control it and it's painful? Nobody does. There's not a parent out there who wants to be in that situation. But by leaning into that discomfort and accepting reality and doing the best you can to help them protect themselves has immeasurable rewards. It reduces the odds that there will be additional trauma in their life. It's as I've said before, God wants our best in all circumstances and we need to want the best for our kids and all of theirs too. What are you struggling with? Whether it's parenting, marriage, friendships, or faith, I want to answer your questions. Send me a DM, shoot me an email on outofthisworldrelationships.com or find me on Instagram at tamara.nicole.rasmussen. Nothing is off the table. Thanks for listening. Look for a new episode every other Monday.